Yeah, that soccer show is proud to be a part of the Soccer and Sweet Tea Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Go check out all the great coverage of soccer in the Carolinas at soccer, the letter N, sweettea.com. This is Yeah, That Soccer Show. Your one-stop shop for all your soccer coverage in Greenville and the upstate. We want this show to be driven by you, so make sure you send us an email at yeahthatsoccershow at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at YTSS Podcast. Now, let's get to the show. Welcome in, everybody, once again, episode number 53 of Yeah, That Soccer Show. Excited to be with you this week as we look back on the final game of a three-game homestand for the Greenville Triumph. We look ahead at their trip up north to Forward Madison, and we will hear a little bit from Coach Harks and Omar Muhammad from the Greenville Triumph here today. So let's get things rolling right away by looking back at a heartbreaking loss for the Triumph. Uh, the team was 2-0 and coming into Saturday, and it was a very, very chilly night if you were out at the ballpark. Uh, it, it was, my goodness, it was cold and it was windy. And I know that that, uh, that probably was not uh, pleasant for the players. I know it certainly wasn't pleasant as a, as a fan sitting out there, and I think that probably contributed to keeping some folks away from legacy early college to come out to the game, but there still was a good crowd, uh, particularly the Reedy River Riot tailgate was was packed. There was plenty of celebration, nice little potluck action going on in the pregame festivities. And when we got inside, we were treated to a, a really good match. And, you know, disappointing, just because it's a disappointing loss doesn't mean that it was a bad match. Once again, this week, over 2,000 people in attendance. Um, I think it looked a little heavier than the week prior uh, in terms of butts in seats. But, uh, but yeah, still got over 2,000 in attendance, which is, uh, which is a great number. Great number for the Triumph, and I think we're, we're kind of hitting that stride. Would love to see uh, another bigger number, another sellout potentially in the future. And, uh, but... For now, I think uh, I think that's a good that's a good average. It's a good number to to move forward with. So prior to the match getting underway, the team released the starting lineup, and boy was I surprised to see Tyler Pollock listed in the top three in the four three three. You'll hear later on. We asked Coach Harks about that. He said he's he was a midfielder. He was playing midfield. Um, but cer- certainly listed in that uh, attacking midfield role and certainly played there and and played on that left winger position for the match that was uh that was a little a little jarring for me at first and was part of the reason that was the very first question I wanted to ask coach Harks in the post game press conference because i i was uh I was interested to see how that was gonna that was gonna turn out and honestly. I'll tell you what, it, it was only that way for a half because ultimately Dominic Boland picks up a knock right before halftime and Tyler slides back into that left back position for the second half. But I thought I thought in the first half that was a really good spot for him. I thought he looked good in his typical role, pus- pushing up high, 
crossing balls into the box. You know, that's where his strength is. And he looked really good doing that in the first half and not having to hustle back on defense, I think was a benefit for him. He's, he's a good defender, but what we'll talk about here in a little bit is I'm starting to notice a little bit of Tyler's age and his speed being a potential liability there when he's pressing up so high. And he also has a major defensive responsibility. So I'll be interested to see how that looks going forward into the rest of the season. But, uh, but I thought it looked, it thought it was an interesting, I thought it was an interesting look and was kind of surprised to not see Travis Ward get the start after last week. His performance was very strong, um, but he, he started on the bench. He ultimately did come in at halftime. Um, but uh, yeah, but other than that, that was the one thing that I thought was just really, really interesting heading into the match. So what looked good? Well, the first thing I thought really blew me away was Dominic Boland getting the start this week after a, after a pretty strong match last week. He got the start this week, and he, like I said, he had to be subbed off at the end of the half. Otherwise, he might have gotten my man of the match award because he, he really looked good pressing up high, moving the ball through the midfield, distributing into the attack. Uh, I was impressed. I was impressed by Dominic Boland. I think you'll see him in the regular rotation for a starting spot here. Um, you know, we have such a strong defense and we have so much depth there between Pollitt's, Evan Lee, Cole Siler, Polak a little bit, Dominic Boland here now. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. What I would love to see, I think, is to is to move Polak back up into that midfield role more permanently and have uh, and have Dominic more locked down there on the back line in the starting lineup because he looked really good. The other guy that looked good that I wanted to single out, and you'll hear from him later on in the show, is Omar Muhammad getting his first action of the season. He kind of started the season with an injury, and we haven't seen him play yet, but the former Portland Timbers two-man got off to a big start, and from the second he started, he touched the field. And look, it's hard to judge purely when somebody comes on as a late substitute because obviously his legs are going to be a lot fresher than everyone else out on the field. But he looked really good. He looked really fast. He looked shifty. He was able to dribble dribble around defenders. And his crossing ability is absolutely incredible. I think once he's up to full fitness and his team chemistry, you know, when he gets kind of back into the rhythm and back into the mix, I wouldn't be surprised to see him being a lock on the starting sheet for the rest of the season because he really, really impressed me. And the third thing I wanted to note that I thought looked good is something we've talked about before, the high press. The high-pressing scheme looks really good. I think uh, I think the team has done a good job of addressing the issues on the counterattacks. They're not as susceptible to that anymore. And, in fact, the goal that they gave up this week was was not a counterattack. It was just a, a player making a play and really torching our defense. Um, but for the most of the game, that didn't happen. And for most of the first half, you know, Greenville looked, by, looked the far superior team. Uh, the second half, we'll, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but uh, – but even then, the the high press is a good system. Seems to be one that works for this collection of players, and uh, and I think with a little tweaking and a little fine tuning, it's really going to be uh, be an exciting team to watch for the rest of the season. I do want to say this: I know it's it's 
Never fun to lose a match. Now, the Triumph obviously lost their first match in team history, first match in league history. But when it's on the road, you kind of you're not there. Most people aren't there. You're watching on TV. It's a little you're a little detached from it. When you're watching your team go down in person, it it's painful. And so I know that that's uh, that wasn't an ideal end to the home stand. But this is a long season. There's a lot of games. This team has a lot of grit. They have a lot of rebound ability. We've seen that at halftimes. We've seen that in between matches. They've made adjustments. I think this team's going to be fine, okay? And I, I don't think Richmond is one of the better teams in the league. And honestly, we, we shouldn't have lost this game, but I think uh, we'll talk about here in a minute some of the things that I think contributed to a loss. And and the kickers just came out and took it. I mean, they came out and took a game that uh, we – we dominated in, in many respects, had plenty of chances. Uh, but that will bring me to the very first thing I think we need to talk about with this team once again is that finishing is an issue. Look, I I said in the preview podcast, I think Jake Keegan can score 17 goals this season. He's a finisher. His All of his highlights, this guy knows how to put the ball in the back of the net. You saw that last week with the Carlos Gomez uh, assist that he created, that Keegan goal. Keegan can do this. However, I, I'm worried that he might be the only person on the team at this point that has that nose for goal. It just it just seems like we have guys that take some really good shots. Now, listen, we've also had goalies that have had the game of their lives, and I said that in previewing this match. I, I actually think that you're going to see Akira Fitzgerald get the save of the week again. We're again going to have a player that, that made a save against us get save of the week because that save he made on that Paul Klaus attempt in the first half my goodness uh, Akira Fitzgerald is not a large goalie he's not very tall but he stood on his head in this match and he really really to me if I was picking a player of the match it would have been Akira Fitzgerald because that man what a performance by him here's the deal I just think I think we need some guys some more depth. One, we need more depth at the attacking position. We need more forwards on our team. Right now, you've got Jake Keegan listed at forward. You've got Edmundo Robinson, who uh, did not start this week after coming back from suspension. You, actually, he he didn't see the field. Uh, you had you have uh, Cameron Saul, who hasn't seen, who didn't see the field this week either. Um, you know, and he hasn't played a ton this season, other than the first game. So I think. Uh, I think this team really needs some really needs some forwards. We really need a, another striker, another person with a nose to goal that if for, if for nothing else than just some depth. Because once we get into this U.S. Open Cup run, hopefully, and hopefully it's a long run, uh, we're going to need to rotate the squad a good bit, and we're going to need to have some guys come in off the bench and be able to to bring that goal scoring ability that Jake has. Um, so I think. This is going to be an issue until it's addressed, and and I'm going to keep harping on it. I'm not. I may not mention it every week, but it's going to be an issue until until it's not. And maybe that is just development of the players we have. Maybe we get some guys. Look, I think Carlos Gomez, I think Chris Bermudez, I think those two guys have a the potential to be goal scorers, the potential to be really good uh, scoring attack pieces. Um, I don't know that they're there yet, but I think they. I think they have the the potential to be there. And so I think as the season rolls on, you might see some of those guys develop a little bit, who knows? Um, but that's, that's the first issue. The second issue, and this is really more of a second half issue for the triumph is 
they came, they came out kind of looking lethargic in the second half, and, and especially right after you know Richmond scores an early goal in the second half, the 49th minute, and it seemed like right after that the team just kind of like I don't know they just they just kind of got in this slump and they didn't look as crisp and clean and it, the attack was not working. Uh, you know they'd had so much so many great opportunities in the first half that I think they were a little bit demoralized that they weren't able to finish more. And so it just kind of seemed, I don't know, they seemed like they fell asleep in the second half. And it wasn't until about the final 10 to 15 minutes, you get a couple of substitutions on, you get Muhammad on, you get Sammy Gadiri coming on. And then it was right down towards the end when it was crunch time that the team started to turn it back on. And you saw that last several minutes was really exciting. We had a lot of really good opportunities to, to try and uh, draw this match and at least take a point away. But uh Ultimately, nothing came of it. And here's the thing. No team at any level of soccer is going to be without these types of matches. Um, I think this team is going to learn from it. I think they're going to grow from it. You know, uh, Hark said that the team was really disappointed in the post game in the locker room. And I think they, uh, you know, nobody likes that feeling. And nobody likes the feeling of doing it in front of your home crowd. And so, again, I just hope this is a learning opportunity. I hope that we don't have to see too many of these matches because uh, this team's fun to watch. And, and I don't. I don't want to see them. Uh, I don't want to see them lose, especially not at home. Uh, the third thing we've kind of, I've kind of alluded to this a little bit uh, that I think the team needs to work on is is where Tyler Pollock fits in this offense um, because when he is in space, when he has to get back on defense, I think he, I think his speed and his age is, is starting to show. But look, here's the thing. He brings so much to this team. He brings leadership. He brings experience. He is our captain. He's the guy you want out there, and he's the first guy the team signed. You know, I think Hartz has a massive trust in Pollock. He when he when this when Tyler was first announced, that's the first thing John said was, "Hey, this is a guy with character. This is the guy that's that we trust to make our first signing and and make our captain and say this is the guy we want to put our stamp on. He's going to be out front. He's going to be leading the charge. So I'm not saying take him out." I definitely don't think that, and I don't. I don't like being critical of individual players. Uh, I try not to do that because I don't think it's always the most productive thing. Um, but I think it'd be remiss if we don't talk about this because it's something that other people have observed and and mentioned to me. Um, other fans in the in the in the stands, other fans, you know, just at the tailgates, people have said to me like this. This seems to be an issue, and so I feel like it's something we need to address. And ultimately, it's not our decision. It's it's going to be Coach Harks and the team's decision on what role he plays. Um, but I'll just be interested to see what happens going forward because I think uh, I think he I think there's a lot of potential for him to continue to have a a very important role to play on this team. I'm just not sure if it's at left back. Um, we'll just see. We'll see what happens. Or or maybe it is. Here's the thing: when the team plays that five three two, then Pollock is kind of more of a He's less of a defensive necessity. He is more of a midfielder in that kind of position. So, you know, it just depends. If the team's playing the 4-3-3, I think he he would be better served in the midfield. If they're playing the 5-3-2, sure, put him out on the left at left back and let him press really high and not have to be as critical on defense. The man of the match. Well, this is uh this was a hard one for me to pick cuz you know, it's it's always hard to pick a man of the match when you lose. Um, but I think when you lose, it's a lot easier to notice some guys that maybe would go unnoticed in a win. 
in victory, you know, you're, you're always going to be looking towards uh, the defenders for, for keeping a clean sheet or keeping the other team from scoring or coming back. Uh, or you're going to look at the attackers for scoring goals. And I feel like the midfielders kind of get left out in a win, and they shouldn't because they always look good. And I've talked about how Aaron Walker and Paul Klaus are doing some amazing things there in the defensive midfield. But this week I noticed Paul Klaus in particular. I thought he looked really good. He had one shot on target that really, I mean, again, Akira Fitzgerald stops that from being a wonder goal and maybe goal of the week. I mean, it was a, it was a beautiful shot. And, uh, but he had, uh, aside from that, he had two interceptions, he had seven recoveries there in the midfield, seven, one tackles and 34 successful pass- passes. Paul is doing it offensively and defensively. He's a little bit of the linchpin there in the midfield. I mean, he is the guy holding us together. And, uh, I think it's, uh, I think this match was a, was a highlighter for him. I think it was a way to, to showcase everything he does. And uh, so I wanted to name him man of the match for this week because I think he deserves it. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to hear from Coach John Hartz and forward, well, midfielder, attacking midfielder, Omar Muhammad. Welcome back into episode number 53. Now is the time of the show where we like to hear from one of the players and Coach Hartz in the post-game interviews. So first off, we got to talk to Omar Muhammad, and I asked him what it felt like to get his first playing time for the Triumph. I'm very excited, just being happy to finally get on the field for with the team and being out for a little bit for preseason and stuff like that. So just excited to get my debut in. I then asked Omar how he felt he performed in his debut for the Green and Blue. Um, coming in as a sub is hard to get in sometimes get uh, with the energy of the, the game and stuff like that. So um, I was just trying to get crosses in, help the team in any way I can, but we didn't get the results. So hopefully next game. Omar was asked what he would take from this match, from what he learned, and apply it towards next week when the team heads on the road to Madison. Um, I guess just being positive. I think we played well. I think we had like 10 shots or something like that. So. Uh, just hopefully like next time ball bounces for you get a goal in. So I think we'll be fine. Next up, we got to chat for a few minutes with head coach, John Harks. I just had to know and had to ask coach Harks, uh, what he was thinking in putting Tyler Pollock up in the midfield, as opposed to his traditional defensive position. Um, we felt that there's been times, uh, where, you know, without the ball on the counterattack, we get caught a little bit. And so from a set piece organization and also from, you know, some players responsibilities defensively that we thought we had a little bit more balance, uh, by doing that with Kevin in behind Tyler. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was the main reason for that decision. And Dominic, I thought he played well last week. Um, we're getting Cole Siler back from a suspension. Edmundo was injured. Um, so we're trying to figure out how we can get a balance of both experienced players on there, back on the pitch, and at the same time uh, have enough players in the attacking third that can be creative and go to goal. After a disappointing loss at home, I asked Coach if he saw anything in tonight's match that he looks to improve upon moving ahead going on the road to Madison. Yeah, I think it's um, these, you know, I told the players, I said, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs throughout your whole pro career. I mean, some of these guys are first-time pros, and they're young, and, um, 
you know, you look at the way that uh, the preparation comes in terms of the mental, um, you know, application. And, you know, you, you need guys to step up and make those decisions on the field. Um, you know, we get plenty of shots on goal. We get scrambles, and sometimes it just doesn't go in. There's toe pokes and clearances off the line. And sometimes you think to yourself, is it just not our night? You know, and um, that's going to happen. But hopefully, you know, when these, when these situations, these moments come about, it's important for the players to really realize like what happened and then how do we take it and learn that lesson and move forward because it's an early part of the season um, and it's going to be important that we have a good week of preparation you know in a positive manner that we go to go away you know to Madison because we're opening up that stadium and that stadium's going to be packed it's going to be a great environment and we've got to go in there with the right mindset so as much as this hurts and it stings, it's still part of it. You know, we're going to do ups and downs throughout the whole season. That's part of development. That's part of uh, progressing as a team. So hopefully the guys, you know, reflect on what they've done and how they can bring something a little bit better to the game, the next one. And, uh, you know, we don't let teams come in here and win games. Coach Harks was asked about how he's going to get his team to look ahead to North Texas in two weeks back at home without overlooking Ford Madison, how he talks to his guys about home field advantage and looking forward to that potentially really, really tough matchup in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think, I mean, look, you want to look ahead. You just don't want to look too far ahead because you're only as good as your next game. And so we've got to make some improvements on tonight, uh, certainly, and that's in the final third again. Um, and then as we, you know, go away to Madison, we've got to make sure that we're healthy that we get enough players on the pitch that are available to compete because, like you said, it's a quick turnaround to come back here. And we want to be in the right frame of mind to come here and, you know, really make this a fortress again and say, look, we want to compete and win games at home. We want to win our home games. Um, but the, some of the best teams in the world lose teams lose games at home. You know, they do. Um, you know, Man Cities of the world don't expect to lose to Tottenham in Champions League. You know, you don't expect to concede three goals at home. and But they do. And so it happens. And look, you know, it's not like anybody's, you know, you don't have this spray around you that's going to protect you from losses. It just happens. But I think the guys really are, they're, they're a little bit down right now. They're disappointed. But hopefully, again, like I said, I think there's a lot of positives for this group. Getting Omar Muhammad back is, is really exciting. I thought he came on the field today and played like a whole nother level of speed of play. And he was fantastic. So I'm glad he's healthy, and that's a big bonus for us. You know, to see him come on here and not hesitate at all with his injury um, is great. So moving forward, I'm really hopeful that he can impact the game in, in Madison as well. Once again, a huge thank you to Coach John Harks and midfielder Omar Muhammad for giving a few minutes of their time after the match to answer some questions. Uh, we're going to take another quick break, and we'll be back to preview this week's matchup against Forward Madison on the road to open up the stadium for the much-hyped first-year team in USL League One. We'll be back. Here at Yeah That Soccer Show, we're always excited to tell you about our sponsors so that you can support them because they support us and we're able to bring you the shows thanks to all of their generosity. And that includes Brad Butchkowski of the Wondercheck Realty Group. You can find him on social media at Brad Butchkowski, B-U-C-Z-K-O-W-S-K-I, or I am Brad B on Twitter. Or you can check out his website, brad.selling-greenville.com. That's Brad Butchkowski with the Wondercheck Realty Group. Welcome back to episode number 53 of Yeah, That Soccer Show. It's now time to get into our preview of this Saturday's matchup against Forward Madison FC. 
in Wisconsin, the home opener for the Flamingos. Uh, a couple things I want to say before we get into this. In case you haven't been following along on social media this week, I have started the hashtag NoMingo movement because, uh, look, here's the deal. If you've been following USL League One for any amount of time, ever since Forward Madison was announced, ever since they announced their branding with the Flamingos, they have been the media darling on social media. They have a huge following, and rightfully so. They've done a lot of things really well. Uh, but frankly, I'm sick of it, and I'm ready for some other teams to get some attention, and I would love nothing more than our boys in Greenville to go up and uh, soil the party a little bit, ruin the home opener for Forward Madison. But uh, how are they going to do that? So, well, so <laughs> if you're uh, if you're on Twitter uh, or Facebook or Instagram, whatever you're on, I uh, encourage you to go participate in the hashtag NoMingo movement uh, leading up to Saturday's match. couple things to watch for. Uh, well, first off, let's just tell you the match is going to be at 8 p.m. It You may see it listed as 7 p.m. a couple places. That's 7 p.m. Central Time. That's going to be locally. But for us, for our purposes, unless you're going to Wisconsin, uh, the game is going to be on ESPN Plus at 8 p.m. I think there is a watch party going on at Growler House in the West Village. So if you're going to head over there, make sure you hang out with the uh, – with the Reedy River Riot down there. So, a couple things. What to watch for in this match. Obviously, we just talked about it. It's Ford Madison's home opener. It is going to be raucous. It's going to be sold out. There's going to be a lot of eyes on it, both uh, in person and around the world on uh, on ESPN Plus or on YouTube, even around the world. Uh, and I think that's going to be... I think that's going to be a chance for the Triumph to... Make a statement. Um, last week, obviously, a disappointing second half, disappointing loss, um, but it's a good time to go up and make a show for all the eyeballs that are going to be on this match that maybe have not seen Greenville play and maybe establish some dominance in the league. Now, it should be noted that it is going to be not great weather for this match. In fact, they're calling for some snow. We may see the debut of the Orange Ball for USL League One. Uh, so that is going to play a factor, I believe, in this game, and so we'll see how that works. Forward Madison will be without forward Don Smart after he picked up a, a, a two really silly yellow cards in, in under a minute last week versus Orlando City B. Um, he leads the team in crosses. He's got 13, and I think with a triumph defense that plays pretty stout and doesn't let people dribble in the box very much, they're going to be looking to cross it in. And so if you're if you're out the guy who leads the team in, in crosses, that could be an issue. But because you didn't see Don Smart's uh, yellow cards last week, it was late in the game. Madison was up 2-1. They had come back and uh, taken the lead. Towards the end of the game, Don Smart's trying to waste some time, so he he starts throwing the ball back and forth to the ball boy to to waste time. He gets a yellow card for time wasting there. And in on that on that uh, following throw in, he literally runs and just clotheslines. Uh, just completely body checks the Orlando City player and gets a second yellow right after he had just gotten that yellow card. So he is going to be suspended for this game, and I think that uh, I think it's going to be uh, maybe not the biggest loss that they could have, but it is going to be significant for them. Uh, and then I, I'm interested to see: are the Flamingos for real, or or is this a little bit of a paper tiger situation where they have a ton of expectations? 
Uh, and so far on the field, they haven't really lived up to the hype. They only have points from their game last week against Orlando City, who is the worst team in the league. Madison is in ninth place currently. So they have a chance to change that early season perception against a team that, honestly, the league, most around the league, think is one of the better teams in the league. And so they are going to be hungry to try and send Greenville home packing with no points. So this is going to be a this is going to be an interesting matchup. I think it'll be I think it'll be fun. A couple players to watch for Madison. Number seventy midfielder Josiel Nunez. He got one of the goals last week, and that is something that has not happened a lot for Madison in terms of scoring. So he's got to keep an eye on. He also leads the team in shots. He is going to be a guy that is going to be looking to score against Greenville. Mason Toye. Uh, that name may sound familiar to you. Number nine. He's a forward. And he, he plays for Minnesota United. He's one of the loanees who came down from Minnesota United to play with Ford Madison. He was the seventh pick in the 2018 Super Draft. And uh, he's only played two matches so far for Madison, but he has accumulated one shot on target, 23 successful passes, two key passes, six recoveries, two fouls, one, and two successful dribbles. dribbles. I think he's going to be a big part of their attack this season. And uh, I'm just hoping he doesn't have a breakout game here. Um, we talked about this last week with the Kira Fitzgerald, but I'm also going to list the goalkeeper number one, Ryan Coulter, for Madison. So Madison actually has a couple of guys on their roster with MLS experience, and Ryan Coulter was not the odds-on favorite to be the starting goalkeeper this year. He's only started two of the three games, but he has looked pretty stout. He has six saves in his two appearances, and Dallas J has played four games, as you know, and he only has four saves. Now, granted, J, the Triumph are not, not letting people take a lot of shots, so he hasn't had a ton of opportunity to rack up saves, but Coulter has looked good, and I'm I'm hoping we don't get again another keeper in contention for, for save of the week against our boys, because we need to score. We need to score, so... Uh, we'll see what happens. So what is my prediction? Well, I'm not ready to pick Madison to win anything until they prove they can do it. Uh, uh, and, you know, I don't last week against Orlando, Orlando's a, a decent team, but they're definitely not one of the better teams in the league. So until you can do it against good competition, I'm not going to pick you to win anything. Um, I think the Triumph players are feeling some pressure to bounce back after last week. On paper, it seems like this is a game Greenville should win. They can win and and maybe they should win. But, uh, again, the matches are not played on paper. This is going to be in front of a hostile, sold-out home crowd. It's going to be in cold, snowy weather. So I am I think I'm going to be happy if we leave Madison splitting the points. I've got this matchup being 1-1, a draw. And if that happens, I'm going to be real excited, honestly. I'm, I'm going to be happy with that result. So, hey, uh, thanks for tuning into this episode. I want to let you know a couple things going on over at GVLsoccer.com. We have added... Brittany Hildreth, our resident photographer, is going to start writing some pieces, interviewing some of the Triumph players. Anderson Brock, our guy Brock Elder, is going to write some pieces about some more in-depth pieces. We had the first one this week come out about Clayton Adams. If you haven't checked that out, go check that out over at GVLsoccer.com. And we might be having some Clemson coverage from a new, a new writer coming in the near future. So keep your eyes peeled. Uh, we are growing. We're growing very fast over there, and, and I think it's a good thing. All the soccer coverage in Greenville is going to be of massive benefit for you as a fan, both in the audio version as you're listening to the podcast, but also in the written form, because sometimes people don't love to listen to podcasts, and sometimes people would rather read. So 
Either way, uh, we are here for you, and we are excited to be a part of soccer in the upstate. Hey, thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to get back with you next week to break down this match and look forward to the next home game on May 4th against New North Texas SC. Till next time.